This is Soccer Power Half Hour, part of the Armchair All-Americans Podcast Network, with your hosts Sam Henschel and Justin Davies. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Soccer Power Half Hour. As always, part of the Armchair All-Americans Podcast Network. I am Sam. Alongside Justin, we are back this week to talk to you a little bit about the Premier League. And it's an international break, so we'll bring you a little bit of a preview on what the U.S. men's national team and perhaps the U.S. men's under-23 have going for them. We'll talk a little bit about the Champions League. We'll talk a little bit about the Europa League. And we'll break down what's coming up for you in the near future. So we'll start with last week or I guess this past weekend, the Premier League. Uh, some interesting matches to talk about. Leicester defeats Crystal Palace 1-0. Arsenal defeats Everton 2-0. Tottenham defeats Bournemouth 3-0. So the top three really continue to do business. Man City, however, loses to Manchester United 1-0 with a Marcus Rashford goal, the difference there. Man City in a little bit of trouble now in terms of that fourth place spot. Justin, what did you think about this weekend's Premier League games? I think a pretty generic weekend for the Premier League. I think the top three really held their place. They really held their ground. And I think the fourth place is now for sure up for grabs. Man City losing to Manchester United. Marcus Rashford, another great game with that splendid finish. And look at West Ham tying Chelsea, hanging in there. They're creeping in for fourth place as well. This is really going to be a battle for that last Champions League spot, Sam. Oh, definitely. I mean, West Ham is on their way there. Manchester United on their way there. Man City is going to have to defend it, and there's always the chance that Arsenal falls back into their famous fourth-place trophy ways, like Arsene Wenger is so happy to do every year. Another big matchup that we saw, Southampton beat Liverpool 3-2. Southampton is on fire at the moment, winning a lot of matches. And next week, well, I guess in a couple weeks when we come back from the international break, they'll be heading to the King Power, heading to Leicester to take on the team in first. Leicester, now, they haven't looked incredibly dominant but they've been just good enough to continue to grind out these wins 1-0 2-1 stuff like that it seems that if they can keep doing that they will win the league do you think that they can continue this or do you think eventually they're going to get caught out by a team who's just too hot to handle we've seen Leicester be super clutch these past couple weeks they've really proven that they can close out these games they've been grinding out great wins and that's what a title team needs so I think this is a big time matchup this weekend and this is a a chance for Tottenham and Arsenal to gain a little bit of momentum if they get victories this weekend as well. But let's talk about Tottenham's matchup. They're playing at Liverpool this weekend. What do you think about that one, Sam? Liverpool has Tottenham's number over the last few years. They just have. I mean, Tottenham hasn't won at Anfield, I think, maybe twice in the Premier League era, perhaps. And it's just, I mean, Mario Balotelli figured out how to score the only goal he scored in the Premier League all season last year to win a game 3-2 against Tottenham. It, weird things happen in that fixture. I mean, it was a nil-nil when the teams met at White Hart Lane. It was Klopp's first match, so nothing too spectacular happened on either side of the ball. But a win here is obviously necessary. Tottenham needs to not drop any points at all until they can figure out how to get into first. I've said it. I've said it in the past. I'll say it again this week. I'm pretty sure 78 points guarantees whatever team can get there a title. And so you'll have to get there first and hope that the cards land in a really good place. But Tottenham can't get there if they start dropping points here. Yeah, Sam, I completely agree. I think this is anything but a normal season for Tottenham. They need to get rid of the skeletons in their closet. I know the first match was a complete deadlock, and I think that's a good sign for Tottenham. They definitely need to get a win in this game, and I think it's very important moving forward. Let's look at the bottom of the table. Newcastle is playing Norwich next week. Last week we saw them tie Sunderland 1-1. Your uh, 
Conspiracy theory about the coaches proved to not be true, and they are in deadlock in 18th and 19th, respectively. Newcastle coming in at 19th with just 25 points. How important is this match, noting that Norwich City is the one team above the relegation zone in 17th place, Sam? Well, it's absolutely incredibly important for these two teams. Uh, of course, maybe only that manager Voodoo works for Sunderland, not for Newcastle, but we'll, we'll leave that for another day. I think that this match is really, really important. I mean, Newcastle needs to start proving themselves now, and what better way to do it in a match that perhaps isn't a rivalry match where tensions are a little bit more heated. It's more of a match where they can settle in and play their game and try to beat a team who's right on the edge of the relegation zone themselves. And any distance that they can put between themselves and the relegation zone is a big deal. I mean, they have this game in hand, but it will be against Man City. So it's almost as if you can count that as a loss unless they turn their form around magically in some way in the next couple weeks, and that's up to Rafa Benitez to do. But all things considered, matches like these, these are must-wins if you're going to rescue yourself from relegation unless you think they're going to pull off some sort of miracle win against the top team. Staying towards that theme of the bottom of the table, we also have another matchup at the bottom. Sunderland and West Brom, talking about the other team in last week's matchup. What do you what do you see in that game? What's What's something to watch about that game? West Brom is not really in danger, but they're certainly not out of danger. I mean, they're a team that, that hasn't been playing terribly well this year. They, of course, had the double Saito Berahino saga with Tottenham, and it's still ongoing to this day, but he's playing for them maybe still. Sunderland seems like they're a team that's getting more and more desperate, and of course, after this matchup that they'll have with West Brom, they will, I think, be playing Leicester they really need to start kicking it into gear now or else they're in trouble. I mean, we've already seen that Aston Villa is dead in the water. They're just dead. I feel bad for them, but they're dead. And Sunderland, Newcastle, Norwich really control their own destiny. Still, they can still rescue themselves. There are enough teams nearby that some of them can get out of this. Not all three of them, but maybe one or even two if Swansea were to falter or a team like Crystal Palace was con- would continue to drop. They could maybe get out of this, but they need to start performing now. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Sam. They, in fact, do have Leicester next week. And an even more important matchup, about three weeks from now in the middle of April, they'll be playing Norwich themselves. So that'll be another farther down the line, really key matchup for that relegation zone. We're not going to get Premier League matches this week. And we're not going to get Premier League matches until the beginning of April. I think the next is uh, April 2nd is when we'll see them. So... That can only mean one thing. That can mean we're on an international break. Of course, I've already said it. But we'll talk a little bit about what the U.S. Uh, the U.S. has coming up on the docket because we are U.S. citizens and Americans, and so we like to talk about our team. We've got two different things for the U.S. We have the U.S. men's national team, who will resume World Cup qualifying with back-to-back games against Guatemala. And we have the U.S. men's under-23 team, who will be trying to secure Olympic qualification in a series against Colombia back-to-back. So which one are you more excited for, World Cup qualifying or Olympic qualifying? I think obviously, you know, World Cup qualifying is very exciting, but I think I'm in the here and now right now. We got Rio coming up. Olympic qualifying is vital. And with USA, with so many raw young stars in that under-23 team, well, they're not stars yet, but some of them have that kind of potential. I think it's a very exciting matchup, especially playing a team like Colombia. That's a very dangerous team with a very, very, very heavy, talented youth as well. So I think it's a very interesting matchup, and it'll give us a little bit of a preview of kind of where we stack up and how we're going to do this summer. 
I definitely agree with you. I think I'm very excited to see if we can get in the Olympics. Of course, last time around, we did not get into the Olympics. I won't even talk about that match against El Salvador, where they scored from, I mean, they scored from halfway in the 95th minute, but of course they choked again in this year's Olympic qualifying, and now they have to play this series just to get in. U.S. under 23 in a little bit of trouble. I think that Olympics is a big boost for the program. It's a big boost for people who are looking to choose the United States over perhaps some other countries. And I think showing that we have what it takes at all levels, not just the top level, is a big recruitment tool. So I think that this is very important. Um, We'll move on and talk a little bit about World Cup qualifying. USA, of course, in a group with Guatemala. They're also in that group with Trinidad and Tobago and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. They're on four points, Trinidad also on four points, Guatemala on three, and St. Vincent on zero. These two matches, if they win both, it's a pretty good chance for them to get to the fifth round, and of course the fifth round is the hex and the final round of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Do you think we have what it takes to beat Guatemala twice, or are the U.S. a little bit leggy? Are they tired? Are they sort of not ready to respond after what happened against Mexico? I know it's been a while, I know we've had... World Cup matches between then and now. Of course, we didn't perform terribly well against Trinidad with a nil-nil draw, but what do you think about U.S. men's national team, the big boys, going into World Cup qualifying this time around? I mean, you have to be confident with the U.S. men's national team. This team looks completely different than the World Cup roster we put out a couple years ago. Guatemala can be a tricky team, but I think these matchups really come down to who Klinsman fields. I think a lot of the younger guys, a lot of the youth will be in that Olympic qualifying and more Olympic-minded for right now. I mean, we should get by on a breeze. Guatemala is good. They're not that good. They're not good enough to, to knock us out of that fifth round. I, but I do think it really does depend on that lineup we put out there because if we put out a shaky lineup, Guatemala might be able to get a lucky, a lucky break and catch a point against us. Yeah, I can see that happening. I mean, I am not necessarily anti-Klinsman. I've been a little upset with how he's handled stuff recently, starting all the way back with not taking a real replacement for Josie Altidore back in the World Cup. I mean, Eddie Johnson, I would have loved to see him on the World Cup team. Anything except for Wando. Please, no more Wando. But I just don't think that he's handled things super well in terms of lineups. He didn't really handle lineups terribly well at Mexico. Of course, we had that failed experiment with Bedoya against Mexico and that led to all sorts of stuff that wasn't any good in that match. I think that he's playing people out of the positions that they should be playing in. He seems to be getting disgruntled with Fabian Johnson who happens to be in my opinion the best player that the U.S. has to offer right now. Clint Dempsey maybe he's a little old but I think Johnson is the best player on the team right now and I think that alienating him or telling him that he should play left back or right back instead of where he's playing up front, up on the left mid, doesn't make any sense to me. Playing Yedlin at right mid instead of right back where he's trying to play in Sunderland doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't seem like, I mean, Tim Ream is playing out of position, Jeff Cameron is playing out of position, Brad Evans is playing out of position, and I can keep going. There are a list of these guys that Klinsman seems to think play better at different positions than where they're supposed to be playing. And I don't understand why we do it that way, but I think if we can play a lineup that's proven that they can be good at their clubs during the regular season, and I think personally it's time for Bobby Wood to step into the starting lineup for sure, I think we can definitely beat Guatemala two times. Definitely. I think you brought up a really interesting point about Klinsman. 
I think there's two different aspects to look at Klinsman. He inherited this old U.S. men's national team, you know, with the likes of Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey. Obviously, Donovan didn't make the World Cup. And he kind of had them in their position. These are the guys that we grew up watching. The guys, Eddie Johnson, you know, guys who've been playing for such a long time. And I think now, I think we're starting to see the Klinsman effect with those younger guys. It's no coincidence a lot of those guys are playing in Germany. You know, you got Fabian Johnson, arguably one of our best players. Bobby Wood, he's apparently sparked some interest from Hamburg. I think Klinsman really attracts the youth. And I think he has a great influence on them. And I think he gives us a lot of credibility. You know, even now, breaking news coming in. The 17-year-old Christian Pulisic, he plays for Borussia Dortmund. Um, this is breaking news on the MLS website that he could join the U.S. men's national team for this for this uh, World Cup qualifier against Guatemala. So that would be an interesting storyline to watch as well. So, yeah, Sam, I think you got a great point. I think there's two... There's two ways to look at it. You know, I does I do think he plays people out of position. There's there's no way to argue that, but I also think he has a really good influence on our team. Maybe it takes us losing a game or two with those guys out of position for him to realize where they need to be. But I think he has a system that he wants to run and ultimately I trust him and I think the youth and the the guys we got moving forward into the next World Cup and into the Olympics are are very promising and I think Klinsman has had a huge role in that. Yeah, of course that's what he does. He's the director of US Soccer Operations in addition to being the head coach. And I wish that you could just come to him and say, listen, we want you to stay on as director of operations. We want you to help drive the reform in our youth program. We want you to keep bringing in these players, but we think that it's time for you to move aside and let somebody else coach the team. And I I just wish we could do that. I don't ever see that happening. I don't see that scenario being able to play out without him saying, no, I'm leaving. But if we could do that, I think we'd be in a much better place. Yeah, Sam, I completely agree. I think the only way that could work is if we were to get a high-profile coach, which, in all honesty, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, We did see Fabio Capello go over and play coach for Russia. Um, that was a very interesting thing that he did. I think if we could get a coach like that coming into America, maybe even a like guy like Patrick Vieira, if he, if he has some success at NYCFC, you never know. Maybe an MLS or American coach coaching. We need a high-profile coach, and then maybe Quinsman would step aside and let him take the reins and work with him closely. I mean, you talk about who are the best American coaches available, and you have to say who are the ones left that haven't yet coached the U.S. men's national team. Bruce Arena already did it. He's one of the best coaches out there. Bob Bradley already did it. He's soon to be the first American coach to manage a team in a major European first division with Le Havre if they manage to make it into Ligue 1. There aren't that many good United States-based and American coaches left out there to coach this team. And, of course, they always bring up that stat that says that no coach who's not from the country has managed to win a World Cup managing a team. So you have to have a manager who is from your country to win a World Cup. And we don't really have anybody left. And I don't know if there's anybody up and coming. It's kind of an interesting thought, but I don't know who's out there to replace him. I think you're definitely right. I think, Sam, there's one person that I have in mind right now, and he's the current MLS champion. That is Caleb Porter. He's a young, promising coach. He's only 41. He's from Tacoma. He's the current coach of the Portland Timbers. He's been their manager since they started the club in 2013. You know, he's a great coach. I think he's already gotten that proven pedigree of winning. He's built a team up with no stars. And I think he's the kind of coach that could come in. But I don't know if that's a fit, and I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if the national team organization is willing to push away Klinsman for a guy like Porter yet. He'll certainly be one to watch. I know we talked about MLS last week, and I'm interested to see how he does. 
So we'll move away from international soccer for now, and we'll move on to more of what we're going to see when we come back from the international break around Europe, and specifically the Champions and Europa League. Moving on to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, we have some pretty good matchups. I mean, Madrid and Wolfsburg. Barcelona-Atletico Madrid is going to be absolutely crazy. Man City and PSG, both teams with a lot to play for, and... I mean, two teams that we've talked about, we talked about last week saying they don't have what it takes traditionally to move on, but this may be their year. Well, they're butting heads. We'll find out whose year it is. And then Bayern somehow always gets the best draw. They get Benfica. And Benfica is no slouch. They're not a slouch, but they're certainly not the best team left. It's kind of tough. But, I mean, interesting to see that in the Europa League, we'll have Klopp Best 2016, Dortmund and Liverpool. But I don't really want to spend too much time talking about that. The other one, Bilbao and Sevilla. Of course, Bilbao, I believe, beat Valencia, which was a very, very surprising thing to happen. So Bilbao-Sevilla will be pretty cool. And Dortmund and Liverpool will probably also be really cool. What did you think about the draws? Anything that, that stands out to you? Well, let's start with the Champions League here. You know, I'm looking at Bayern Munich. You know, they just had a, a really tough leg against... Juventus and they somehow amazingly managed to get through and win that game four to two. Great game, I think. I think that really showed the resilience of their team. They managed to get Benfica. They get really lucky. It's almost it's almost karma giving them an easy an easy game. And you know they always do kind of get the easy game. I think a really interesting matchup. There's two. Wolfsburg Real Madrid could be a good one. I think Real Madrid will roll in that. But I think the two we really have to look at is Atletico Madrid and Barcelona, and then Paris Saint Germain Man City. Let's start with the the Spanish game. I think Atletico Madrid has, you know, they're dirty, they're raw. They have one of the best defenses in Europe, but Barcelona is firing on all cylinders. They did slip up against Villarreal on the weekend, but I think this is going to be a really, really good game to watch. And I think if there's one team that could maybe, just maybe, catch Barcelona to slip up in this round, it might be Atletico Madrid with that defense. I don't know. And then Paris Saint-Germain and Man City. PSG needs to get through Man City. I think this is a game that they need to win. I think it'll be a hard one, but I do see PSG going through. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think PSG definitely, like we said last week, has nothing to focus on except for this. And Man City, of course, is to focus on staying in the top four in addition to this. So it's very interesting to see how that'll play out. I think you're right. I think Barca-Atleti is definitely the, the matchup to watch for. It'll be an incredible matchup. We've seen it in the league. We'll, we'll see it here. It's always a different dynamic in the Champions League when everything means so much. Um... I can't wait to see that. I think that's going to be absolutely incredible. I think that Wolfsburg, not terribly great this year, but they've been able to make it happen. You know, they didn't have the sort of incredible season that they've been having, uh, that they had been having the year prior when they managed to finish in second, thanks to the fact that Dortmund was having a bad season. But now here they are. They're enjoying themselves, they're winning, they're doing what has to be done, and they're making it through to play against Real Madrid. So, you know, they get to say, hey, we get to play against Real Madrid. Who gets that many chances to play against Real Madrid in the quarterfinals of the Champions League? And certainly a team that hasn't done that a lot in the past, and especially considering that they're in eighth place in the Bundesliga, they may try and throw it all at this just to see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's cool to see something like this, and I'd like to see if they can pull it out. Yeah, Sam. So looking at these games right now, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, Benfica, Wolfsburg, Real Madrid, PSG, Man City. Let's get some predictions coming from you right now. 
thinking about all of these together, I would say that I probably also expect PSG to move on over Man City. I'll expect Bayern Munich to move on over Benfica. Although I was talking about, let's see if Wolfsburg can do something. I don't really believe they can. I'll pick Real Madrid there. The tough one is obviously Barca and Atletico Madrid. Now, I saw a couple of charts earlier, a couple weeks ago, that said that Barcelona's front three of Messi, Suarez, and Neymar have scored more than some teams have scored as a whole this season, than a lot of really good teams have scored as a whole this season. And, I mean, Atletico Madrid has the best defense in Europe. They do. Tottenham, of course, a close second. But Atletico Madrid has the best defense in Europe. And so you put the best offense in Europe, or the best offensive present three at least, against the best defense in Europe. And I don't know what you're going to get. I have absolutely no clue. But something tells me that players like Messi and Suarez and Neymar can figure out how to do enough against Atletico to move on because what would need to happen is that Atletico would need to score a bunch. They would need to score. And yes, they do have players like Griezmann who can get it done, but it's tough. I mean, you let one goal in from Messi and then you have to sort of push forward and then you let another one in. Just watch what happened to Arsenal. You know, they were nil-nil until the 80th minute and then all of a sudden they were down 2-0. And then before you could even... Imagine it, you know, the tie's over. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy how quick they can strike, and they have to be very careful that they make one lapse, they're done, and I think I'm going to go with the attack over the defense here. I'm going to pick Barcelona. Yeah, Sam, on my end, I you know, I think defense does win championships, but not in this case. You look at the previous fixtures, Barcelona has won the last five fixtures, but not more than one goal. They've won 1-0, 3-2, another 1-0, a 2-1, and then another 2-1. So I think... This game is going to mirror that. I think it's going to be a very close match. It's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be a grind 2-1 aggregate, 4-2 maybe. I think Barcelona won't score many goals in Atletico Madrid. And The guys like Griezmann, he might be able to finish one or two, but I do see Barcelona going through. Bayern Munich, I think they will roll against Benfica. I think you made a great point about Wolfsburg. They will throw everything at it. I think they might manage to get a goal or two, but I see Cristiano Ronaldo continuing to score, continuing to, to pursue that Champions League goal-scoring record. Paris Saint-Germain-Man City, great matchup. I don't know if Man City can handle PSG. They got way too much in their play, and PSG has way too little. I could see PSG going through maybe 4-1 to on aggregate. I really see them crushing Man City in Paris, honestly. So we predicted the Champions League. Let's take a look at the Europa League. I talked about Dortmund and Liverpool, Bilbao and Sevilla. We also have Villarreal and Sparta Praga and Braga and Shakhtar Donetsk. I personally believe that Dortmund is the team to beat here. I think they're just so good, especially after the hurting they put on Tottenham. I know Tottenham played a weakened team, but Dortmund is good. Dortmund is back, and Dortmund is the real deal, and I expect them to roll against Liverpool. Sevilla, always a team to fear in this competition. I think they'll win. Villarreal, I think Villarreal, very impressive against Leverkusen. I think they'll probably win. And I think Shakhtar Donetsk, Interestingly enough, the Ukrainian teams, for some reason, always seem to show up, whether it's Donetsk or in the past, I believe it was Kiev was last year. They made it all the way to the final, perhaps. And I think that Donetsk will beat Braga, although it'll be pretty close. So I think those are the four that will move on to the next round. What do you think? You know, I I think I'm going to go pretty much the same direction as you. Villarreal, very hot team right now. Very hot team in the Spanish League. Coming off a nice draw against Barcelona. I think they're going to take care of Spotter Prague. Dortmund Liverpool, you know, it is the clot fest, but it's really hard to not think about that beatdown that Dortmund put on Tottenham last week. They're the favorites. They're going to roll in this one. I think they might even beat down Liverpool even harder. Shakhtar Donetsk, I think this is a dark horse team here. 
You know, they quietly went out of the Champions League with Real Madrid and PSG in their group. That's a tough group for them. I think they're going to thrive in this competition. I can see them making a semifinal run, maybe even a final run. Sevilla, I mean, they're, they're a classic team. They did just get hammered by Real Madrid on the weekend, but they got some great players. They're familiar with Bilbao. I can see them going through as well. From here on out, you know, I really do see Dortmund as the favorites, but Sevilla is another team to keep your eye out for. And then Shakhtar Donetsk is definitely a team that can pull an upset. Yeah, of course, Sevilla reigning champions. And I will correct myself. It was not Kiev that made it to the final last year. It was Dnipro that made it to the final last year out of Ukraine. They had Konoplyanka, and he, of course, moved to Spain over the summer. Yes, he moved to Sevilla over the summer, and he will be playing in this competition at a high level again. So we'll see what he can do. Okay, so I think that just about does it for what's going on next week. We'll shift forward a little bit to something that was just announced for this summer, the International Champions Cup. Of course, a pretty cool summer tournament that's been going on for the last couple of years that brings some of the best in Europe straight to America. We'll talk about the North America bracket teams that have been announced. Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool, PSG, Bayern, Inter, Milan, Celtic, Barca, and Real Madrid. We will be seeing all of these teams coming to the U.S. at some point in the near future. What's really interesting is that Leicester, on the heels of this incredible season, has been instantly asked to come do this high-profile international tour, and I think it's going to be really cool to see them play. I believe they're going to be playing Barcelona at some point, and PSG is their other opponent. So what are you looking forward to? Are you going to any of the games? I know there's one coming to Eugene. What are your thoughts? I'm going to the game in Eugene, Oregon. Shout out to my Ducks. We got PSG facing Inter Milan out in Eugene, Oregon. That's going to be a rocking crowd in front of Austin Stadium. I think it's going to be a really exciting game. The PSG Real Madrid Champions League rematch in Columbus, Ohio will be great. The EPL in LA, Pasadena, California, the Rose Bowl is going to be hosting Chelsea FC and Liverpool FC. That'll be a great one as well. And another one to look out for. Celtic FC playing Barcelona. They had that famous upset a couple years ago. That'll be a funny rematch. Very interesting. Another good one we have is FC Bayern Munich facing AC Milan in Chicago. I think there's a lot of great games here. The one I'm most excited for is obviously the one coming to my hometown. We get a lot of soccer up in Portland, but not too much in Eugene. So that'll be a very exciting game for the, for the Duck faithful out there. Of course, some marquee matchups to watch out for. You've been talking about uh, Bayern and Real. Obviously a marquee matchup. And, I mean, yeah, Barcelona and Celtic is going to be pretty cool to see that happening. All of these matchups are pretty marquee. I mean, it's kind of cool to see these teams come to this country and play in front of fans. And you talked about the game that's going to be happening in Columbus. And they're going to want to fill their stadium up more than Michigan did when they had the game last year. Or was it two years ago? I I don't remember. But they tried to fill up the big house pretty far. And, and of course, Columbus will want to fill up their stadium just to stick it to Michigan and say, hey, we filled up our stadium more for soccer than you did. I think that it's something that's really exciting. And, of course, they've uh, struck, again, a very good balance of good teams from multiple countries to come here and to show off the brands. Of course, unfortunately, Tottenham won't be making it to America this time around. They've come the last couple of years, but they will be going to Melbourne to play in Australia in the Australian edition of the ICC. Spurs fans, if you want to watch that, you may have to book your tickets now to Australia and skip all of these good games in the United States. But... It's something that I hope continues in the future, and hopefully once the Dolphins figure out how to finish their stadium renovations, they will move the final matches back to Miami again. I really enjoyed it. I went the first year when they had all eight teams come and play in Miami. I went over two days. It was like, it was almost nothing to get a pretty good ticket, and I saw all these teams play, and the final was Chelsea and Real. 
right after Mourinho had moved back, and it was it was something really interesting. It was a really cool time, and I definitely advise anybody who's looking to see some real high-quality soccer, if you can get any of these games near you and you can go to them, go to them. It's awesome. Yeah, Sam, I completely agree. I got a chance to see, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kaká, and Mesut Ozil play uh, down in San Diego a couple years ago when they played LA Galaxy. It was a great game. I think it's a great chance for some of these teams to really build, build their brand in America, especially to make Leicester City. They could grab a lot of a lot of American fans on the bandwagon, and I think it's a great chance for them to build their brand in America, make some sales, introduce the game even more, and a great chance to flaunt their new summer signings because we know that's going to be happening a lot right after the Olympics. This is going to be a great competition, Sam. I'm really excited. Oh, yeah, for sure. The one thing that I will note, no American team this year. Are you surprised? A little surprised, but, you know, I can't complain with the lineup, Sam. Yeah, I couldn't complain either. It was kind of cool to see LA Galaxy, Landon Donovan, those guys. But, I mean, nothing to complain about here. That does it for me and Justin this week. We will be on iTunes. We will be on SoundCloud. We will be on Facebook, Twitter, the website, just about everywhere you think you can find us. You can find us. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you.